Do you remember those Friday nights going to the video store? You'd roam around the aisles with your best friend or your dad looking for that perfect thing to watch at the end of the week. My video store was really small. This was a mom-and-pop kind of place. It just had one aisle. And we'd go around in circles, and sometimes we'd find nothing we wanted to watch. Then a new place opened a few towns over. The perfect video store. Welcome to Blockbuster Video. This place had no charm. It was at the end of a strip mall. It had bright fluorescent lighting. And if you asked someone on staff a question, they just could not be bothered. There was an aggressive selection of candy near the checkout. And it had a lot more movies than the place I used to go to in town. And so for a lot of us, this is where we ended up going. There's one near you. And to be honest, I sometimes felt a little guilty about it. Blockbuster was uninspiring, but it was convenient. And then the local video store in our town shut down a few years later. And we felt kind of complicit. Then came the internet, and Netflix took on video rental. So Blockbuster has called in administrators to try to salvage something and stave off the possibility of going bust. Blockbuster folded in 2013, and it seemed like all of them just vanished overnight. Another empty storefront next to what used to be a Radio Shack or a Borders. There's a Barnes & Noble in my neighborhood where I live now, and I don't know why, but sometimes I just go in there to smell the fresh books or the stale scones. It's just comforting knowing that it's still there. It feels like this trip back to the 90s where I'd go to the mall with my parents. And I imagine I'd have a similar feeling if I could walk into a Blockbuster today. When I walked in, I said, welcome back to the 90s. (laughs) Yes, pretty nostalgic. But to do that, I'd have to go far, far away to the last frontier. To Alaska. From Business Insider and Stitcher, this is Household Name. Brands you can trust. The show about brands you know and stories you don't. I'm Dan Bobkoff. Today, Blockbuster Video. I thought Blockbuster was gone, finished, dead, all over in 2013. It is the end of an era. It's the latest in a string of retail casualties. Blockbuster will close all of its remaining stores. All its stores by early next year. Turns out, that's not exactly what happened. Against the odds, a few renegade Blockbusters hung on for years. They're zombies, independent franchises that continued to rent DVDs long after the company itself folded. They're in Alaska, in a state very different from the continental U.S., the lower 48. These bizarro blockbusters call themselves the last frontier, and they're almost extinct, just weeks from closing their doors. Before they disappear forever, we went to find out how these Alaskan blockbusters held on for all these years. And why do we care? Why do we feel so much nostalgia and connection to something that we no longer need? So, we're off to Alaska. Stay with us for a journey that might feel like a journey into the past. Here are some basic facts about Alaska. It's two and a half times the size of Texas, but its population is only a little bigger than the District of Columbia. Nearly half of those people live in Anchorage, Oh, and it still has two blockbuster videos that have survived against the odds. Yeah, it's sort of like a time warp here. Emily Russell, you're a reporter in Alaska, and you're going to be our guide in Anchorage. And you actually stopped into the blockbuster there in May. So I want to know, what was it like to walk into a blockbuster in 2018? 
Honestly, it feels like walking back into the 1990s. I walk in and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is playing on a big boxy TV that's hanging from the ceiling. There are rows and rows of DVDs, as you'd expect. There's also the actual jockstrap Russell Crowe wore in a movie, which you might not expect. We'll get to that later. I pass people who are renting movies, and they're exchanging physical cash for physical movies. I want to watch Father of the Bride tonight. But first, I meet the manager. Kevin? Sometimes. (laughs) Kevin is huge, like the size of a football player. He's washing the windows. Right now, I'm just a window guy. (laughs) How you doing? Good, how are you? I'm hanging in there, hanging in there. (laughs) His name is Kevin Damute, and he's really proud of his candy aisle. Double bubble. Old school. Blow pops. Old school. Fruit stripe. I had those when I was a little kid. Love the gum. Flavor didn't last very long, but love the gum. Kevin is a lifelong Alaskan. He's been working at Blockbuster since 1991, and he rose up to become the manager of all 15 franchises here in Alaska. Now there are only two left. I get the sense talking to Kevin that these Alaskan blockbusters, which are independent franchises, they become a much bigger deal in people's lives here. You talk movies. How, come on. What job can you just sit there and say, you know, I've had a customer come in and say, I'm, I'm looking for a good John Wayne movie. I'm a John Wayne fanatic. I talked a half an hour with her because her husband's sick and, and he likes John Wayne movies. She went back home with a big old stack of movies and it's like, you made me feel important. And that's what we try to do with the customers and make them feel important. I've been a store manager at every store here in Anchorage, Eagle River, and Wasilla. And, you know, you, you, I have customers that I've known since 1992. I mean, I even know their number, 1562. Maybe this is unfair of me, but I kind of didn't expect the manager of a blockbuster to care so much. I know, right? The blockbuster that I grew up going to in upstate New York did not have this feeling at all. It was way less personal. But Kevin has come up with all sorts of ways to get people to keep coming in. One of the ways he did that was with this thing he called the kid print. So families with kids would come in and kids would sit in front of a video camera. Everything was free. Bring your kids in. We'll videotape them. We'll ask them some questions. And at the end of it, those kids and their families could go home with a free VHS tape. And I loved asking the kids questions and the parents were shocked. Like... Who do you like going out and play with? Oh, I like Johnny. And they're like, who's Johnny? I mean, the parents were totally in the dark with this stuff. And I've had parents hug me and all this stuff saying, you know, this is so helpful. This sounds almost like a community center. Yeah, it is in a way. But even though this independent store has managed to hang on for five years after the Blockbuster company itself went out of business, and even though I saw customers come in like every 10 minutes, including teenagers, And even though Kevin's done all of these things to keep his customers loyal, I got a sense of some sort of, like, sadness in his voice. I mean, I would love to be here more as long as I can. It's hard to be burned out of something you're excited about. And just this year, Kevin has had to close down two more blockbusters. The big thing is the economy. I mean, economy is is tough right now. Um, So people are still renting, but they're not renting as much. Um, They're renting the 49 cents, the 79 cents. And... That's hard to keep up, you know, open. But what's happened is now that there are so few left, they're kind of like living museums or tourist attractions. Tour buses were stopping in front of the, the store. Since I was coming to Alaska, I was like, can we go to Blockbuster? Considering it's, this is the last one, right? Uh, I'm Pete. I'm from England. Um, yeah, we used to have a Blockbuster in our local town. People uh, like Pete come in and gasp. It nostalgic. Smells it smells the same. <laughs> <laughs> 
People are coming out, taking pictures of Blockbuster, getting back on the tour bus, and they go off the merry way. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I said, we gotta, we gotta do something here. This is, this is crazy. This place has become like nostalgia central. I can't tell you all the places I mailed t-shirts and hoodies out. In fact, I have one package here that's going out to Brazil. People love this stuff, he says. Um, I've had people from Ireland call. Especially the t-shirts. Well, the front obviously has the Blockbuster ticket. Um, and then it has Alaska underneath it, which you gotta, you gotta, you gotta promote Alaska. Come on. How many people have shirts from Alaska? And on the backside, it has the, the state of Alaska and inside it has Blockbuster. And on the bottom of the, the, the actual state has the last frontier, which is the quote from the Alaska itself has always been the last frontier. Kevin told me he actually spends a big chunk of his day now packing up souvenirs and putting them into envelopes and boxes. He drives those over to the post office himself and sends them out to fans all across the world. He says it's actually started to make up a decent chunk of his profit. You're looking at a good, probably got a good 7%. 7 Yeah. And isn't that all before John Oliver did this? You know, buy Russell Crowe's jockstrap and send it to one of the last remaining blockbusters in Alaska. Even that sentence is absolutely incredible to say out loud. Yeah, so comedian John Oliver, he went on his HBO show last week tonight. That was a couple of months ago. And he was making fun of this auction for movie memorabilia that belonged to the actor Russell Crowe. And so one of those things that was being auctioned off was this jockstrap that Russell Crowe wore in the movie Cinderella Man. And John Oliver had this really bright idea that he would give this jockstrap, and he bought a couple other things belonging to Russell Crowe, and he would give it to one of the last remaining blockbusters in Alaska. So this is like a weird save blockbuster charity effort? Super, super weird. And at the end of the clip, John Oliver looks into the camera and says... To the manager of the only remaining blockbuster in Anchorage, Alaska, at 5600 DeBar Road, number five, all of this shit is yours. Just call us in the next 48 hours and we will send it to you. My phone at home was going, just going berserk, just beep, 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 constant. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And I'm getting all these messages on our Facebook page talking about Russell Crowe or, you know, John Oliver. Who the heck is John Oliver? And I mean, I've heard of him, but I haven't seen the show. Kevin says he thought it was all a hoax. Like, there's no way a comedian would actually buy this stuff. And even if he did, was he actually going to send it up to some store in Alaska? And you will not believe how we got a hold of these guys. Just somebody, random, called me up from Wisconsin. This was on Monday about, probably about 1030 in the morning. Called me up, said he has a cousin that works for HBO and has a phone number to the front desk of the show. And I went, yeah, okay, whatever. And he goes, no, I'm serious. We called him up, and that's how we got a hold of him within 48 hours. And that's why when you walk in the front door, you immediately see that display of Russell Crowe movie memorabilia. That stuff that was on John Oliver's show. And of course, front and center in a glass box is the jockstrap he wore in Cinderella Man. And there it is, the, the memorabilia right there. It's, uh... it's that jockstrap that brought Pete all the way from England to this blockbuster here in Anchorage. It's nice to see, take a picture, see, say I've been there, because I've, I've, my, my family watches uh, last week tonight as well. So. Pete's actually here with another Brit, his friend Cecilia, who lives here in Anchorage. I didn't know about the Russell Crowe memorabilia until Pete came along. And we're uh, like, OK, yep, <laughs> we'll have to go visit it. <laughs> Are people coming in here just for that, or is it just, yes, okay, you're shaking your <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So they got excited because they got a picture of the jockstrap, and I let them hold it a little display, and they got pretty excited about it. 
But despite all of this, watching Kevin in the back room, I got the sense that he knows deep down that even this blockbuster can't survive forever. One here that's, that's uh, going out to Brazil. I've always wanted to feel positive about it. You have to. I mean, if you feel negative about it, it's going to go and trickle down to your employees. You can't. You can't go, oh my gosh, what's tomorrow going to bring? What's next day? Let's be real. I mean, you got Netflix, you got Redbox. If you have an issue, who are you going to call? And I hate saying But you still, you still have in the back of your mind, okay, what can I do to change? You're, you're constantly trying to figure out new ways to change something, even if it's just getting that extra dollar in the store. When corporate closed down, we just took everything. These are actual work shirts that we have that has Blockbuster on the side that we're going to sell just for like $10. I mean, it's a business. I mean, you got to figure out what to, what's going to bring those people in or what's going to have them come out and leave with something extra in their hands. Do you ever think negative, though? There's times, there's times. And I'm, I'm too old for that, man. I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta think positive. But I still want to know, what is it about Alaska that has allowed these renegade blockbusters to survive all these years? And I have the perfect person to answer that question for you. My friend Ravenna is a reporter all the way up north in Fairbanks. It's a whole different world up there. That's in a minute. Okay, we're back. It's 6 p.m. on a Wednesday. And now we're in one of the most northern cities in the United States, Fairbanks. Okay, there is the blockbuster sign. Reporter Ravenna Koenig is our guide, and she's looking for someone. I wonder if that's Troy in the truck. I'm going to meet up with a guy who has lived here a lot longer than I have and is a blockbuster patron. He goes to Blockbuster so often that they leave stuff out for him. Are you Troy? Hi, Ravenna. And if you're wondering if people care as much up here as in Anchorage. That guy walked over here and took a picture of Blockbuster. Oh, that guy did just now? A lot of people do it. It's funny. (laughs) Still? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was surprised there aren't many cars here. So Troy is a former Army guy. He was in the Army for over 20 years. Well, my name's Troy Buffard, and I got to Alaska in 2004 on assignment from the um, U.S. Army. And uh, he was deployed several times. He did two combat tours in Iraq. Then the new Striker Brigade. And then after he retired from the Army, he became a defense contractor and an academic at the university here. And he's a blockbuster regular tend to like uh, action, maybe drama, the newer stuff. But it can't be so new that it's due back in like one day because I'm not, I'll forget. You're not good about returning though. No, no, no. (laughs) In the winter, he's here every week, but in the summer, less so. Have you seen Atomic Blonde? I have. I own that one. It's so good. I thought it was really good too. I love that movie. Yeah. So I've never been to Alaska, and I have this theory that there's something about the state that explains how these blockbusters have managed to stay open for so long after the chain itself went out of business. Am I right? Well, to answer that, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey. Are you going to get something? Nah, I think everything's too new. With Troy. Troy. 
Troy and I drive a bit outside of town about 10 miles. This is a really roomy truck. And the second that you get out of town, it becomes just green rolling hills. There's just one day, and it's called Green Up, where all of a sudden there's this, just this halo, this aura of, of green everywhere, this tinge, as far as you can see. And he's taking me somewhere that I have never been before. Um, It's this gorgeous, not-quite-mountain. Oh, oh my gosh. Called Esther Dome. Oh, my gosh. Whoa! Oh, my gosh. I am looking out the window at Fairbanks. I have not yet been this high. I didn't even know you could come up on the... Oh, my goodness. How high up do you think we are? What's the elevation on this? Maybe 1,800, 1,900 feet. But you can see like a cluster that's like, oh, that's Fairbanks. And wow, this is the first time I've ever been somewhere where my ears are popping. And when we look out over the side, you can see the whole city down there from way up high. Just turning in a circle, you really can see how much of the land around you is not a city. It's not Fairbanks. It's just Alaska. And I'm sure that there are cabins and homesteads and people who are kind of nestled throughout that landscape. But a lot of them are few and far between, and you really just get a visual sense of how small this community of about 100,000 people is in this vast, vast landscape. It's difficult to get a cable subscription up here, the primary cable provider. Um, They don't have a line everywhere. Just looking at this topography, you can see why it's not cheap to wire this place for internet, especially when you have a relatively small number of people spread out over a really big space. Internet here can be expensive. It can be slow. It can be unreliable. And some people say they can't get internet at all just based on cost and where they are, how far they are outside of town. There's still a lot of places here that don't have good internet. This is the main factor. I posted on the Fairbanks Facebook page saying, hey all, you know, working on a story about why Blockbuster still exists. And a lot of people said, I've been trying to get internet forever and I still don't have it. Do a story about that. Yeah, that took um, at least 10 years to get something decent. And then only recently did I get uh, like really decent speeds uh, and an amount of uh, gigabytes, like a package that was, I don't have to think about it anymore, finally. But Troy never stopped going to Blockbuster. At this point, it's just a habit. I don't even need this anymore. I'm gonna point that Troy out. and I get back in the car and we start talking about just how extreme the weather is here. Oh, the mosquitoes! Because that is such a feature of this place. Say what we call the mosquitoes in Alaska. A state bird. <laughs> Not that long ago, we were deep in wintertime. It gets cold, like even for the rest of Alaska. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Once again, Mike Schultz, live and direct from the ice park. If you say that you're from Fairbanks in Anchorage or Juneau, people look at you differently. They kind of, there's like a, a respect, I think, for people who can survive the dark and the cold of the Fairbanks winters. The overnight low was 11 below, where it normally should be 10 below, so right around where it should be. 
Because it does regularly fall into negative temperatures, it's the kind of thing where you have to bring an emergency bag in your car with food and warm clothes and and uh, other emergency stuff. Because if if your car breaks down, kind of on a back road, and you don't have service or your phone dies, like you can be in real trouble. Winter survival here is is a is a thing. And then it's also dark. December twenty first, twenty second. Uh, or at the least amount of light. You get about four hours, maybe an hour of actual sun comes over the Alaska range and goes right back down. You got to find something that you can do inside. And I think that for a lot of people, that winds up being movies. So Troy told me that especially in the wintertime, he likes to have movies on in the background while he's cooking or grading papers. You hear how quiet it is here? especially when the leaves are all gone. It is so quiet. The trees don't even make much noise. In the summer's not so bad. I open up the windows. There's someone building a house up there, and if the wind's just right, you can kind of hear a little traffic, but it gets so quiet here. Well, it's funny because so many people seem to be seeking quiet. It's a bit much, though. Uh, no other part of life is that quiet. And it's, it's almost too quiet. Maybe Blockbuster's existence or um, the existence of just, you know, hard copy movie renting in general is maybe in some ways bolstered a little bit or enabled, allowed to exist because of that part of the Fairbanks culture that relishes being different. I have had people say to me that they feel like Fairbanks is a little bit old school and maybe a little bit happy with that, happy with the fact that there are parts of the past that are still alive here, like chopping wood and kind of building your own house and... Um, homesteading and and growing your own food and all kinds of that stuff. Everybody here has so many layers to them and so many layers to the life that they lead. They will be ex-army and a professor at the university and will have built all the furniture in their house and uh love movies, you know, or they'll be an engineer, like an Arctic engineer, and play in a bluegrass band and be like an expert clogger. Or they'll be the editor of a newspaper and have a dog team and be a very serious musher. You never know who you're talking to. What might pass as, you know, homeless looking in the lower 48 might be the mayor. It might be one of the richest business owners in town. It may be an emeritus professor. And maybe the people this town attracts are the kind of people who it's just not the end of the world if they can't stream Game of Thrones the night it airs. But even in Alaska, there's no escaping fate. That's in a minute. Why do we care about places like Blockbuster when they're gone? 
Why do the tour buses stop and the visitors take pictures? Why do people buy T-shirts and keychains? Maybe there's something about all the effort it took to rent a movie. You can stop a Netflix movie after five minutes, but getting a new flick at Blockbuster was like an event. But my theory is, I don't think it's really about the place. Places like Blockbuster are just a means to a memory. When we closed down the Wasilla store, which we didn't want to close down at the time, this little girl, probably about seven years old, cute as a button, blonde hair, just adorable, bawling and just big old crocodile tears. This is Kevin Damute again. He's the manager of these Alaskan blockbusters. And she's just crying. I said, what's wrong? And she goes, my mommy and I would come here every Friday night. We'd order a pizza, come over to Blockbuster, get our movies, get the pizza and go home and have a Friday night movie night with just her and I. And now we can't do that. I had to leave the building because I was like, I can't handle this. I mean, I just, it's just, it breaks my heart. And so, you know, what do you say to a little girl like that? I'm, I'm sorry. You can probably guess where this story goes next. In July, the final two blockbusters in Alaska accepted their fate. Well, we're, we're in the process of closing the final two stores. This is Alan Payne. He owns these Alaskan blockbusters, but not for much longer. Amazingly, he says they're still profitable, but the profits are falling. And at this point, it's about hanging it up before they lose money, too. In fact, one of the things that we always get a little frustrated with is when we close a store, so many of the people that come in say they just can't believe we're closing because they love us so much. And then we'll ask them, well, when was the last time you were here to rent a movie? And they can't remember. So they have great memories of it that, you know, the weekend visit to the store to see your friends and and rent a movie to go home and watch it with with friends and family. Uh, But for whatever reason, they stopped doing it. And so it was in July, a few days after Alan announced that the last two stores in Alaska are closing, reporter Emily Russell went back to the store in Anchorage. So I'm back. It's mid-July now. It's been a couple months since I talked to Kevin Damu, the general manager. But before I get to him, I have to push through a crowd of people. They've been waiting here for hours to get in. The doors to the blockbuster are still locked. It doesn't look like a funeral quite yet. Kevin's over this way. Wonderful, thank you. I cannot believe there is a line around both corners of this store. Wow. So I find Kevin. He's tucked way over in the back corner of the store. He's wearing his bright blue Blockbuster t shirt. Test, test, test. And right now he's stacking DVDs on shelves. What's going on, lady? Hello, how are you doing? Oh, Emily's crazy. It's crazy. You know that. Just running tapes put back on the shelf that were checked in last night, so. What was it like to find out that your stores were being closed down? Probably probably about a month ago, and I, I had feelings, um, so you kind of get an idea of it. Um, and I told my employees probably about, about three weeks ago. And what was their reaction? Shock, just like mine. I mean, of course. In just a couple minutes, Kevin and the staff, they'll open the doors. But right now, those employees, they're really calm. They're stacking the shelves with DVDs. They're prepping the cashier counters. They're making sure the candy is all lined up. 
It's sort of the calm before the storm. We're going to be selling off all of our movies, um, Blu-ray, DVDs, games, even the employees. No, you know, <laughs> CSRs are $1.99, <laughs> managers are $2.50. <laughs> I'm at least 3 bucks. And the plan for today, what's the plan for all of the inventory, things like that? Well, we open at noon. We'll be, as soon as noon, that's when all, <laughs> everything breaks loose. I'm just going to go with that. We know that one. He's not kidding. Ready? Not yet. Come on in, guys. Come on in. There's baskets on the side. A crowd of people floods into the store. Kevin is holding one of those doors open and he greets some of his customers that he recognizes. What are you doing here? Other people grab these blue plastic shopping baskets that are by the front door and race towards the aisles where they know their favorite DVDs are. There are kids, there are parents, there are people in uniforms, young couples. I was so scared to talk to the customers. And I was heartbroken. This is my favorite place to go, and I'm so sad it's going to be gone because it's one of the last ones in the world, so it's a bummer. It's really sad. Yeah, this is. Yeah, what are we going to do for a video store now, you know? My dad has been one of the few ones that's actually held out on blockbusters. We don't have Netflix. We don't have, you know, Hulu or anything. We just got it recently, but up until, like, the last month, we've been coming to blockbusters pretty frequent, so it's pretty sad to see it go. They're sad, sure, but people like Max are stocking up. Really quickly, that stack of baskets by the front door is gone. One customer I talked to said Alaskan's like a deal. That is totally true. I can attest to that. Everything here is for sale. Yeah, Alan Payne, the owner, says people buy it all. Yes, everything. And usually pretty much everything does sell, including fixtures. (laughs) You know, people have actually bought signs. Uh, They've bought... They've bought exterior signs. Uh, they bought channel letter signs off buildings. They've bought uh, interior blockbuster tickets in the stores. So I guess somewhere in America, in somebody's home, there's a big blockbuster sign. Yeah, yeah. I've often wondered what they do with it. Uh, in fact, the, the store that we closed in Wasilla several months ago, uh, somebody took the awning off the store because they wanted that. And Lord knows what they did with it. I don't know, uh, but but they did. <laughs> Alan Payne plans to write a book about Blockbuster. He's fascinated that the video store business went from nothing to boom time to nothing again in just a quarter of a century. You know, why didn't Blockbuster or one of the other large video chains become the Netflix? You know, what what, what prevented that from happening? Blockbuster missed the boat on buying Netflix for just $50 million back in 2000. Today, Netflix is worth $160 billion. But it's not over quite yet in Anchorage. They still have a few weeks to sell everything off. Do you guys have VHSs anymore? Oh, my gosh. Who are you? (laughs) Rocky? She asked if we have VHSs. I had someone, I saw someone commenting online. I got people call. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's just DVDs and Blu-rays. And what's your plan? have no idea. (laughs) Part of me was thinking about going back to school for my master's in teaching. You know, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going out to the highest bidder. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) But staying in Anchorage, you think? Oh, yeah. I'll be staying in Anchorage. Oh, yeah. 
We gotta stop meeting like this, Emma. <laughs> this is the last time I yeah, promise. Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I still had one final question for Kevin. What about the jockstrap? Why you have to ask that? Turns out, after all the craziness that happened after the John Oliver segment on HBO, Kevin has had enough. And the reason why I asked you that is because everybody asks about that. And I hate to say it this way, that stupid jockstrap. And um, it kills me to hear everybody more concerned about that jockstrap than the customers that have been faithful to us since 1990s and employees that have been, I mean, they're losing their jobs and, and people just want to know about that stupid jockstrap, man. And I, I'm not trying to be negative about it, but there's other things evolve around a piece of leather, you know. So that's going to go back to our owner. It's proudly on display in the store there in Anchorage, and it will be until it closes. What's going to happen to all that after? Uh, well, it's, it's the, it's, we own it now, so uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Ho- hopefully it holds its value and is worth maybe even more someday. Uh, but I'm not sure what we'll do with it. So there's going to be a Russell Crowe jockstrap without a home come September. Yes, there will be a jock strap. There will be uh, a, a, a boxing robe, boxing shorts. There will be a vest from Les Miserables. And uh, yeah, so we're the proud owners of that memorabilia now. So in honor of the last two Alaska blockbusters closing, perhaps it's time for us to finally pay our respects. We gather here today to mourn the loss of our beloved Blockbuster video. During your all-too-short life, you provided the copies of Braveheart and Goodwill Hunting we so desperately sought. It took longer to find the movie to watch amongst your shelves than it took to actually watch it. You encouraged us all to be better people, to be kind and rewind, to be patient when all copies of New Release... Hey, not so fast. Don't get out ahead of your skis. We actually have the last Blockbuster, and it's located in Bend, Oregon. And who is this? My name is Ken Tischer. I am the owner of of the last Blockbuster on planet Earth. So if you want to rent a DVD or take a selfie at a Blockbuster, your last bet in the U.S. is Bend, Oregon. Ken Tischer is ready for your tour bus, even if he doesn't have a jockstrap to show you. To hear Household Name without ads and to get access to the first six episodes right now, sign up for Stitcher Premium at stitcherpremium.com slash household name and use promo code household for your first month free. And wherever you listen, please leave us a review and rating. It really helps. This episode was reported by Emily Russell, Ravenna Koenig, and me, Dan Bobkoff. I always try to be kind and rewind. Our producer is Anna Mazarakis. Our senior producer is Claire Rawlinson. Mixing, sound design, and original music by Casey Holford and John Delore. Our editor is Peter Clowney. The executive producers at Stitcher are Chris Bannon, Laura Mayer, and Jenny Radelet. Special thanks to Emily Kwong and to our funeral director, Alan Smith, and our intern, Sarah Wyman. Household Name is a production of Insider Audio.
Stitcher.